Previously on Survived by One, Tom Odell described his early experiences with sex, drugs, and crime. Survived by One, The Life and Mind of a Family Mass Murderer by Robert E. Hanlon with Thomas V. Odell. Episode 6, Conduct Disorder. Tom Odell's drug abuse escalated relatively quickly from age 13 to 16, and his engagement in property crime, including burglary and theft as well as drug sales, increased as a function of his drug abuse. His early marijuana and alcohol abuse provided him with an escape hatch from his problems at home, a distraction from his negative self-image, and acceptance by selective subgroups of his peers, the partiers and the dopers. As such, there were multiple reinforcers for his growing drug abuse, but drugs aren't cheap, and the money earned from paper routes and mowing yards won't support a growing drug habit. As a result, Tom quickly learned that selling stolen goods from homes that he burglarized and selling drugs were far more profitable than the legitimate jobs that he had done earlier. But the increasing variety and frequency of his criminal endeavors were driven by more than just money. In his underdeveloped adolescent sense of self, which had been irreparably damaged by the psychological abuse he had sustained and continued to sustain from his mother, the attention he received from his peers as a result of his status as a drug dealer and rebel was invaluable. Clinically, from the age of 14 to 16, Tom manifested a full-blown conduct disorder. He engaged in frequent fights with his peers and was periodically truant from school. The frequency and variety of his drug abuse escalated. His criminal activities expanded from shoplifting and petty theft to burglary, auto theft, and drug sales. As a result of the drugs and money he had at that time, he finally received the attention from his peers that had previously eluded him. However, despite his expanding criminal repertoire during this stage of adolescence, he was yet to commit a violent criminal act. Nevertheless, the key stage of personality development was characterized by the appearance of numerous antisocial tendencies and behaviors that would increase in frequency and intensity as he continued to mature, due in part to the reinforcement he received, including money, sex, and attention from his peers. Although his self-concept was bolstered by the reinforcement he received from his friends, this period represents the beginning of the downward spiral of psychological dissolution that would end with the horrific crime that he was to commit only two years later. I was doing really well. I was able to do a few things for Linda, and we went out on the town a few times. And of course, Linda and I were still going at it. I was going to concerts and rented limos and buying tickets, drugs, and alcohol for my friends. I was living good for the moment. I was buying nice clothes with cash. I was okay and finally feeling like I was accepted, liked, and even loved. Because I had cocaine, there were some fine women hanging around all the time. They would do anything for that cocaine. Now I know it was all about the cocaine, but you couldn't have told me that back then. I would have sworn they were loving me and doing things because they loved me. I met this one girl, Denise, over the summer though, who was pretty decent. She really wasn't into the drug scene, but she was into the music scene, like I was. We started going out just before my junior year started. 
but that was right about the time Glenn got arrested for trying to sell some of the stolen merchandise to an undercover cop. Of course, my name came up, and they came and arrested me too, but since I was underage, I was released to my parents. Glenn was sent to jail. They only got me for some of the things I had done. I had stolen cars from car lots and a few motorcycles. You name it, I had taken it. My parents lost all trust in me, and I don't blame them. I really shamed them, although I didn't care what my mother thought. I only cared that I shamed my father because I had sold some stolen lawnmower equipment to one of his friends. My father made me tell his friend what I had done to his face and give him back his money. I did it because I owed my dad that much respect. Don't ask me why. It was just something I felt I had to do. Brad got called in also because his dad found a riding lawnmower at his house and called the police about it. I took the weight for it even though Brad stole it. Brad had originally brought it to my house, but I couldn't hold it there without raising suspicion. Denise and I were dating at that time, but no sex yet, because she wanted to wait until she was ready. And I respected that. I really liked her a lot. My dad was going to give me his car when I turned 16, but that was blown after I got arrested. I really doubt my mother would have let that take place anyway. I had to go through a lot of stuff to rebuild the trust my father had in me. But my mother was still going out all the time, and I was sneaking off at night, just making it back before she came home. I was still doing a little stealing too, but just enough to stay high most of the time. I was smoking reefer and doing cocaine and some heroin. I would do the other stuff when it was around, but it wasn't as abundant as the stuff I was doing. The whole time Linda thought I was going to jail, so anytime I wasn't out getting higher with Denise, I was with Linda. I had to go through a lot of court dates, but I finally had this deal worked out through my public defender. I had to do a week in a detention center, and then I had to complete a UDIS program where my old math teacher was my sponsor. I also got two years of probation and a $300 fine to replace the windows and doors I had damaged going into the houses. I had to work to pay the fine off, and part of that was to wash the vehicles where my dad worked. So, all the Illinois Bell cars, trucks, and vans were being washed by me once a month. That was part of the punishment given to me by my father for the burglaries. I worked there for about three months or so, until I wrecked a van after washing it. I backed it into a truck. That caused me to be let go. For Christmas that year, my father paid off the remaining debt I had owed because he knew if I was left to pay it off, I would have resorted to my old habits. I don't know about my father and me. I was really angry with him for all the things he allowed my mother to do to me. But yet I really liked my dad. I didn't want to put him through anything he didn't need to go through. I also felt sorry for him because he was a good guy. He just wouldn't stand up to my mother. My crime partner, Glenn, got some time in prison like five or six years. I'm not sure exactly how much. I got lucky with my part in that whole thing. And not only was I lucky with the sentence, I made more money than he did, and I had a better time than he did. I look back now and wonder where my head was at, because I could have done so much better with that time, instead of spending it the way I did. I hurt so many people, and destroyed my father's faith in me, if he ever had any to begin with. My mother only came one time to a court hearing, and she actually told the judge to lock me up and throw away the key because she never wanted me anyway. My father gave her a look I will never forget. My father gave her a look I will never forget, but he said nothing to her. I'd even tried to rebuild something with my mother, if there ever was anything to rebuild, 
by helping her out with her PTO nights at Horace Mann School. I had even tried to rebuild something with my mother, if there ever was anything to rebuild, by helping her out with her PTO nights at Horace Mann School. I would work a few of the games and help out when I could, but I don't know if I helped or hurt. My UDIS sponsor and I got along great. He was into computers and got me into computers. I was able to buy my own computer, a Commodore VIC-20. During our sessions, we would work with the computer, finding out all the possibilities it had. We interfaced with it and enjoyed music at the same time. He was one of those hippie guys from the 60s, so he and his wife were people after my own soul. I really took off with the computer and was trying to write my own programs. I never told anyone what I was doing because I didn't want to hear about how huge a failure I was, but my sponsor was supportive of my endeavors and helped me out. When we were through with the UDIS program, he gave me his old Honda 50 motorcycle that was not running. I was able to get it up and going and I had some fun with it before I had to get rid of it. I was out riding it and was trying to show off in front of some girls, but the clutch grabbed on me and the bike took off and hit a girl's bike while she was sitting on it. She called the police because the motorcycle had bent her front wheel, so I got three tickets that night for trying to impress some girls. I got tickets for improper classification, illegal U-turn, and leaving the scene of an accident. Needless to say, my mom came home while I was sitting in the back of the police car, and she told the cop to put me in jail because she was tired of dealing with me. But the cop wouldn't do it. When I went to court, I was only charged with improper classification and fined $100. Denise and I broke up shortly after I was sentenced. I broke up with her for some reason, which I thought was fantastic at the time, but was really stupid. I broke up with her before she could break up with me. I mean, I wonder what I was thinking back then. She was a good girl, and I had a lot of fun with her. We never argued or fought about anything, but I had this stupid idea that I should break up with her first. Of course, I ran to Linda for comfort. That woman taught me everything I knew about sex. I just couldn't get enough of it. Now I think that I substituted that sex with Linda for some sort of acknowledgement and acceptance that I wasn't getting anywhere else. I would have probably married her if it had been that type of thing. She was my buddy, as well as my teacher, lover, and freak. But the age gap and the situation were just too much, I guess. About that time, a girl I had briefly dated before had been removed from her home because her stepfather was allegedly abusing her sexually. I was asked if I had known about it, and she had told me about it, but I had done nothing about it. I guess I thought as long as she was sexing me, it was cool. She was 13 when I was 15, and I had to go to trial about it against her stepfather. The prosecutor I helped was the same one that came after me in my own trial later. How ironic. When I turned 16, I had to go spend the Christmas holiday locked in the detention center for one week to fulfill my sentence. That was something I always said I would never do again. I swore I would never come back to a place like that. I was not allowed to get my driver's license until about a week before my permit expired. If I hadn't gotten it then, I would have had to buy the permit again. Once I got my license, I had to turn it over to my dad, who held on to it for what seemed like forever. I really wanted that license bad, because it was like a rite of passage, and it was being held for me. But it was being held for me because of the crimes I had committed. I was being punished. 
I look back now, and that wasn't so bad compared to what I could have ended up with. But when you're 16 years old, nothing is more important than those rites of passage. I wasn't working at that time. I had done some work at a body shop for some of my father's friends, but that didn't last, as I was too lazy about sanding down the cars. I wanted to do all the other stuff, but not the sanding, so I was let go and moved on to other things like selling reefer and stealing a few odds and ends to keep myself high. I had told myself I would never do anything to go back to that detention center, but I was stealing, doing drugs, and selling drugs again. Everything that could send me back to the center. I also started going back into houses again to get the big money. Except this time I was going by myself. This way, I could only blame myself should something go wrong. I was stealing cars up the car lots again, but the lure of the big money from the houses was something to me. I loved having that money and the attention it brought me. I loved being able to buy concert tickets for me and a few other people and renting a limo to take us and bring us back. It was just a sense of power, maybe, or the need to please. I was enjoying myself and enjoying that everyone would have a good time. I liked that feeling. I also loved being high and away from the house. I wasn't allowed to quit school, so I did some ditching. One of my friends lived right across the street from the high school, of all places. I would talk people into skipping with me just to go to a different town, bum around, and maybe go shopping and eat at a pretty good place. I loved being able to afford new jewelry and clothes. When I was at home, all I did was eat and listen to the stereo. Music really helped me through a lot of times. I would daydream as if I were the reason the song was written and as if I was living it. Music has always been my means of escape. Even today, I can put on the headphones and go back in time to when I knew things were real. I listen to everything from hard rock, heavy metal, blues, jazz, soul, and some country from the old days. There is so much emotion in music that helps me express what I cannot at times. I used to make my parents and even my girlfriend so angry because I would be asked what was on my mind or something and I wouldn't talk. I would not talk because I didn't feel comfortable talking about me so much. I still have that problem today, so I've been told. I lived so isolated that talking was never one of my strong points. Things were getting too hot around town, so I slowed down my breaking into houses. Plus, there were too many new people asking me to get things for them, which made me very uneasy about the whole thing. And it was bothering me about getting caught and having to face my dad again. Not the fear of violence, but just the look on his face would have been too much for me. That had bothered me a lot since the first time I got caught. But then I got caught having a party in my room. I think there were about two cases of beer in there, with only a handful of people. That caused some more trouble, but I really didn't care. As a result, my dad postponed getting my car insurance, so I couldn't drive the car. I started dating another girl at that time. We were pretty cool, I guess. We went out for several months. She was coming over and spending the nights. She would sneak out of her house at night and come over to my house. We would spend the night together about twice a week, sometimes more sometimes less. But her father got upset and called my dad one morning because they had found her diary where she had written everything down we had done. So, needless to say, her father came unglued, and since I wasn't there, he told my dad about it. My dad didn't say anything too much about it. He just told me that he hoped I was using protection, which I wasn't. I just never did for some reason. So she kept coming over at night, 
until she came too early one night and my dad caught her running behind the house. He didn't know what was going on, so he called the police and they came and picked her up. That was the end of things for us because her parents didn't want her to see me anymore. My brother Sean began his crime spree at about that time. He started shoplifting at the local neighborhood grocery store, as I had done. I didn't discourage him, although now I know I should have. I didn't encourage him either, but still, I should have done something more positive. He was slick though. I don't know how he stole some of the things he did, but he did it, and I was always the one he showed his loot to. Maybe he was looking for the same thing I was looking for from my mother. Approval and an I'm proud of you statement. He would steal from many different stores, and when he got caught, he would always say what I had taught him to say when he was younger, that I told him to do it. So, of course, I would get punished too. And he continued to have the problem of getting up at night and stealing food, as my mother called it. So she would lock up the cabinets in the fridge, and since chaining me up to the bed had worked so well, she started chaining him up to his bed every night at bedtime. But I got some pliers and fixed the chain so it could be undone should something happen where he would need to get out of the house, such as a fire. He was also given a bucket to use as a toilet and was chained all night long until breakfast. Of course, my father let this all happen and did nothing about it. 